The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Well, good morning, Tower View. Can you see me? Can you hear me? I'm watching the comments. I can see comments this morning. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Facebook has given me ambiguous messages. That's why I'm asking these questions. Okay. Can you see me? Can you? Yes, to both. Okay, thank you, Linda. And and somebody else said we can see, hear you, and see you. All right. Well, Facebook is giving me ambiguous messages. In some ways, it looks like it's working just fine, and in one other way, it looks like it's not working quite right. So I just wanted to see or hear or something you. So good morning, Shirley, Don. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Darren. Appreciate you all watching and listening, and I greatly apologize for last week. All I had to do was click one thing, and that echoey thing wouldn't have happened. And I'm just kicking myself because I'm supposed to be the technology guru guy, and I messed it all up. It was... I hate when that happens. Um, it's like I failed or something, and I don't like failure. So, good morning. Welcome this Kind of cloudy, almost cloudy day outside. Um, it's wet out there. So, actually, I was going to check the weather before we started today so I could say things. Um, uh, okay, so, do, 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 Well, it might rain today again. Yesterday, they said, the weather service said we had had eight days of rain in a row. Today could be number nine um, for for the city of Kansas City. So good morning, one and all. You can see I'm from Tower View Baptist Church. If you're new to new to this uh, site and new to this uh, teaching, um, you can check out our website at towerviewkc.com. There's our phone number. I'll go over all that more at the end of the, at the of the of this session. But this is your Sunday school lesson. For today, May 23rd, we are in Lesson 12, 12 of 13. We are almost done with the book of Luke. We are in the last chapter of the book of Luke. We will be done soon. And you're going, well, who is this person that is speaking? Why are they? Why, why should I listen to them? Well, I don't know why you should listen to me. 
But there I am, Associate Pastor Nelson Nisley, Tower View Baptist Church. That's who I am, and I know who you are. I know some of who you are. And, and so I am live this morning, again, for the first time all month, I think. Um, made trips to do Army duty and made a trip to see my son Adam graduate from college. And we were going to go camping, but because of all the rain we've had last week and we saw it was coming and it was already wet, um, we decided and we did not want to have a mud out. So we had a staycation and we did things at home. So we still had fun. Most of the kids stayed at the house, and so we had a house full all week, and we 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 just did their other things around Kansas City instead of going out going going out in the woods, which was our plan, which what we wanted to do, but it got changed on us. That happens. All right. Well, we're in Luke. Like I said, we're in Luke today. Luke chapter thirteen or chapter twenty four. Starting in verse 13. Let me put that on the screen so you can see it when I misspeak and you can read what's there. When I typed when I was in a little better state of mind. So let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you provide. Help us to be your servants in all that we do. As we study your word this morning, as we see who you are, and how you are revealed to us. And that should affect the way we live, the way we think, the way we act, the way we believe. You are the mighty God, and we just pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. As I said, we are in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. And we're starting in verse 13. Actually, the lesson starts a few verses down. But I'm going to start in verse 13 because, well, that's just the kind of guy I am. Um, in, verse tw- in chapter 24, verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, so the day we now call Sunday, the first day of the week, in Scripture, Saturday, the seventh day, is called the Sabbath day, but none of the other days are actually ever named in Scripture. Ever. Ever. Sometimes they say the first day of the week, and sometimes they say the you know the Sabbath day. Um, but unless it's a, a a holy day, the days aren't the days of the week are never named, never. And so, first day of the week, and that's the day we celebrate on Easter, when Jesus rose. It says early in the morning the women went down to the tomb, and we know the account of that. And I'm not going to read through all that, but that was the day that the women went down to the tomb. And then they saw, Mary saw Jesus. They reported back to the disciples. Two of the disciples ran. And we, we know from the different gospel accounts that it was, it was Peter and John ran down to the tomb to check it out. And they went down and saw the empty tomb, but they did not see Jesus. Down in, down in verse 13, it says, Now the same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus. Two of them. Two of who? Well, two of Jesus' disciples. Which two? Well, they're not named here. 
A little bit, a few verses down, we'll see one of the nim is named Cleopas. Which you go, oh, I don't remember a disciple named Cleopas because he is not one of the 12 disciples. But if you go back to Luke 10, you know, we see that Jesus sent out 72 disciples to go preaching. 72. Last time I checked, 72 was bigger than 12. And so he sent out 72 disciples to go out preaching throughout the countryside, throughout the nation of Israel. We know in Acts chapter 1, when the disciples gathered to select a new 12th disciple, it says there are 120 people in the room. Some of them were, most of them were men, some of them were women. But there were 120 people in the room. So there was a larger group of disciples that followed Jesus. We know, we, when you read the disciples, we, Peter, James, and John are always the first three listed. Always. And we know a couple times that Jesus took just Peter, James, and John to, do, to talk to them. They, they were the only three that went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Other times we know that Jesus took just the twelve off on their own. But most of the time there was a larger group of disciples that followed Jesus. And they're usually just kind of a side note as, as you read through the scripture. You kind of have to be looking for it, but you'll see that there, there was always a larger group. But we know in Luke 10 that Jesus sent out 72 and so, and when in Luke and Acts one, it talks about the larger group, and it says that men who were with Jesus from the beginning. So they knew of this larger group, and the disciples would have known most of these men. It wouldn't have been like strangers; like they're just standing over there off on the side, and I wonder who those guys are. They would have known each other. And Jesus chose the 12, and who did he chose? He had to choose the 12 out of a group of people who were following him. And so these two disciples were men who followed Jesus, but they, were just, they weren't part of the 12. It doesn't mean they were less dedicated. It doesn't mean they were less faithful. They just were not chosen by God. Why does God choose some people and not others? I don't know. Why in the world would God choose me to be a minister? I don't know. It doesn't make sense most of the time. I have no great appearance. I don't have no great speaking abilities. The only F I got in high school was in speech class. Why am I the one here rambling on Facebook about reading scripture and, and talking about scripture? Messing, face, messing up Facebook Live by not clicking the right thing so it doesn't sound bad. Uh, I don't know why, why God does these things, but he does. That's what he's done. He's chosen. It's out of his grace and out of his mercy that he's done things. But we have these two men who were disciples of Jesus. It says, on the same day. Now remember, this day started early. The women went out to the tomb at dawn. You know, somewhere around, you know, what we would call around 5 a.m.-ish. Um, in the Middle East, that's what time the sun comes up. It's around 5 a.m. And so 
the day would have started early. And the, maybe these men were already planning on going home. They had planned, you know, they were there in, in Jerusalem for the Passover festival. That was over. They were there to listen to Jesus preach. That was over. He was dead. He'd been executed. There's no reason to listen to Jesus preach anymore. He can't preach anymore. Because why? Because people don't come back from the dead. How many funerals have you had to go to to go into the same person twice? Because they stopped being dead and then they were alive for a while. Then that doesn't happen. Yes, we read in scriptures that some people were raised from the dead, but think about through all of human history how many times that has happened. Literally a handful of times, a dozen times at the most. It doesn't happen. Even in modern medicine, it really doesn't happen. We say, well, somebody's back. Well, your heart may have stopped beating for a few minutes. But we didn't have a funeral for you. You weren't dead that, you know, your heart wasn't stopped that long. You know, at, at the most, it's an hour or so if you fall into a frozen lake or something. It doesn't happen. And doctors sometimes purposely stop a heart during heart surgery, and then they restart it. That's not the same as being dead. It's not like you were buried in the, in the tomb like Lazarus was. This doesn't happen. Why would people think it's normal that this happened and expect it? Yes, Jesus preached that he was going to do it. We read that through Luke over and over again. But if I started going around spouting, hey, I'm going I'm to die next Tuesday, but don't worry, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be alive again by Friday. You either think I'm crazy or you ignore me. And, and Jesus spoke in a lot of parables. So I imagine they, they put it off that it was some spiritual lesson that they wanted to, that Jesus was trying to teach them, and they didn't think of it as a literal thing. The only people who took Jesus literally were the chief priests that had him executed. But they just figured the disciples would go come through and, and um, steal his body and claim that he was alive. So they sent a Roman guard to guard the tomb. That didn't work, but that was their goal. And so here are these two disciples, distraught over all the events that had happened. And they were leaving Jerusalem to go back to the town of Emmaus. We don't know where Emmaus is. Some, some maps, you know, if you, you get a, a biblical atlas, they'll have uh, Emmaus on there, but not everybody agrees exactly where Emmaus is. It, it may be one of those things that's a nickname for a town, or maybe it was the Jewish name and the Roman name was different. We, we don't know. We can't find, we're not for sure what town of Emmaus? We've never found it in archaeology, the word Emmaus in, on anything. We from, find some towns that fit the bill that might be Emmaus, but they haven't found the word Emmaus in the town. So it says Emmaus is about seven miles away. And from Jerusalem, that'd be downhill. Um, depending on how fast you walk, you could do that in two, three hours. 
And so it's, it's not an extremely long walk. So that's, that's the setup. We have these two disciples. At the moment, they're unnamed. They're leaving Jerusalem to go to Emmaus. And so in verse 14, together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute you're having which, with which each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. So what are they discussing? Well, was Jesus really the Messiah? Because this Messiah isn't supposed to die. Was he really the Messiah? What's up with these women that claim that they see Jesus? That's just ludicrous. Why is this tomb empty? Why did the, did the Romans steal him? Because they probably would have known that the Romans had sent a guard down there. The Romans steal his body? And why would the Romans steal his body? We don't know. It doesn't say exactly what they're discussing. That's just, that's just speculation on my part. You know, how crazy were these women for claiming to see Jesus? Maybe they were talking about that. I don't know what they were talking about. They probably weren't talking about sports ball. But you see, when Jesus, when Jesus comes up and they don't recognize him, well, if these were Jesus' disciples, why didn't they recognize him? Well, remember, Mary didn't recognize Jesus either when she first saw him. Why? Well, he looks different. First, the last time they saw him, he was a mutilated mess. If they took a picture of Jesus on the cross and posted it on social media, they'd have to gray it out and put, not safe for work, across the picture, and you'd have to click on it to, to, to allow you to see it. That's how awful he looked. But not only that, he'd been dead for three days, and now he had a resurrected body, which is a new body, which is way different from his old body. He looked different. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit blinded their eyes so they couldn't see him. Why? Because they needed some teaching, which is what we're going to see here. They needed some education. And, and you know, like, like kids, mom and dad can tell them anything they want, but in, until they hear it from somebody else, they're not going to listen. And then somebody else tells them, and it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Mom and dad had told them that for years, but it just went in one ear and out the other. Sometimes you just need to hear it from a different source. But they were, they were discouraged. It says there in verse 17, they were discouraged. Verse 18, the one named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know these things that happened there in these days? And Jesus asked, What things? So, you know, there's always people that don't follow the news. And so maybe they, you know, Jesus pretended like he was one of those people who didn't pay attention to what was going on. Cleopas, 
You know, there we get we get one of these two men's names. It's Cleopas, which is the masculine version of Cleopatra. And that's not to say he was named after Cleopatra. That's just you know, it was probably a, a fairly common name. But that was one of the two people. It's a Greek name or a Roman name. And so Jesus, plain dumb, he's not really dumb, but, you know, sometimes, you know, to, you have to talk it out to figure out what's going on in your lives. And so he's, he's, you know, playing counselor here. What things? He's playing mentor. He wants them to explain things so they hear their words out loud so they understand what they're really thinking. Because how many times have you went to somebody for advice, and by the time you explain it out loud to them, you don't need their advice, you got it all figured out. But you just needed to say it out loud for you to figure it out. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's being a sounding board. God is our sound. Can, we can, when we pray, we can use God as a sounding board. You don't have to always be formal and say, okay, I have to be on my knees and I have to put my hands just the right way and I have to make, say the right words at the beginning and the right words at the end and I have to talk the right way the whole time. No. This section could have just as easily been a prayer as it is a conversation. Verse 19, continuing on verse 19. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet in action and speech before God and all the people. What a mighty testimony. He's a powerful prophet before God and all the people. But they said, prophet, not Messiah. Maybe they thought Messiah before, but now that he died, he's been demoted to prophet. And then verse 20, And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. So they placed the, they placed the death squarely on the, on the shoulders of the Jewish leaders, not on the Romans. He considered Romans just, you know, just doing what, you know, what they're told. They're doing what you know, they desire. You know, they know that the trial was trumped up, and the Romans you know, just followed that trial. And they saw the crowds and how the chief priests got the tri- crowds riled up so that the Romans had to, had to obey so they didn't have a, a riot on their hands. Verse 21, But we were hoping that he was the one about to redeem Israel. He was the one to redeem Israel. When was Israel redeemed the first time? When was Israel redeemed the first time? Israel was redeemed the first time in the book of Exodus. When Moses led Israel out of Egypt. And they went through the Red Sea and all that, the the, the ten plagues and all that that happened. Israel was redeemed by the mighty hand of God. And they walked with a pillar of light in the daytime or at nighttime and a cloud in the daytime to follow God. And they built the tabernacle. And they, and they built you know, all, all the accoutrements uh, inside the, the tabernacle. And that's when Israel was redeemed. And the prophecies 
talked about a one coming that would redeem Israel and save Israel from the nations. And Israel would be the leading nation in the world. And they were looking for that because right now Rome was the leading nation in the world and Israel was just a pawn. They were just a backwater nation in the, in the in Roman Empire. And Roman troops roamed Jerusalem and the countryside. And they were hoping that Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel and save them from the Romans the way Moses saved Israel from the Egyptians. That was, the, that was their goal. That was what they're hoping for. So they were looking for a political um, redeemer, a political messiah to, to conquer the nations. Because that's what happened the first time. Yes, there was a spiritual element into it. That's where Passover came from. Passover was a celebration of when Israel was redeemed out of Egypt. And they had just celebrated Passover. And that's what they're looking at. The, the link between Passover from the book of Exodus to a new Passover, a new redemption from the Messiah. But they were looking at it for it happening the same way, as if God was going to do the same thing again. And God doesn't do that. And so that's what they were saying in verse 21. But we were hoping that he was the one to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, or but also, there's another way you could say moreover, some women from our group astonished us, or astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. Now look at their description. Look how they describe this. But also, some women from our group astounded us. We thought these women were level-headed, and now they're astounding us. Because they listened to all of Jesus' teaching also. They didn't find his body. When they didn't find his body, so they didn't argue about that. When they didn't find his body, now maybe they maybe they thought they went to the wrong tomb. Maybe they thought the women were, were you know just mistaken and, and you know bad with directions. When they didn't find his body, they came and reported that what? They had seen a vision. You go back and read Luke. Go back and read the other Gospels. It doesn't say anything about a vision. Everything happened in reality, in flesh and blood. They saw it with their own eyes. They felt Mary felt Jesus with her own hands when she fell at his feet. There was nothing about a vision. But why are these guys saying a vision? Because they can't believe that it was real. So it must have been a vision. They must be seeing things. They're hallucinating. They're daydreaming. It can't be real. People don't just come back to life. That's not possible. But it wasn't a vision any more than Zechariah 
back when he was in the temple in Luke chapter 1, was a vi- was a vision when he saw the angel. No, it wasn't a vision. The angel was standing there. Mary, when the angel, the angel came to her to tell her that Jesus was going that she was going to be the mother of, of the Messiah, was not a vision. It happened in reality. But these men are saying it's a vision. Why? They didn't believe him. These two men did not believe the women. Verse 24, it says, When some of them, well, it was, it was Peter and John, they just didn't name them, went to the tomb, they found it just as the woman said. It was empty. Okay, so the woman went to the right tomb because Peter and John found it. But they didn't see him. So they couldn't confirm what the women said because they didn't see Jesus. They just found the empty tomb as the woman described. But that wasn't enough. They still didn't believe. Why? Because how can you believe somebody came out of the grave and was alive again? That's impossible. So don't be too hard on these guys. We wouldn't be any better. Think about the last funeral you went to. If somebody called you up three days later and said, um... Remember that funeral? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're alive again. I don't care if it was a man or a woman who told you that. You wouldn't believe them. If the preacher told you that, you wouldn't believe them. Because that's not possible. That's why we have stories of zombies and vampires and all, and, and Frankenstein. Because you know. That's what happens when you come back from the grave. You're a monster. You're you're not, you know, it's it's not real. It's not possible. Why would you believe something that's impossible? But verse 25. He said to them, that's Jesus speaking to them. Although they remember, they don't know it's Jesus yet. How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So he doesn't chastise them for not believing the women. He chastised them for not believing the prophets, the scriptures, the old, what we now call the Old Testament. He's saying, you're foolish for not believing scripture. Not for not believing the women and for not believing the other two disciples. You're foolish for not believing Scripture. Verse 26. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the Scriptures. Now, I really wish we had that discourse that Jesus said and all the quotes that he had and how he explained them. Now, I imagine functionality, we do have all those. We get them in the form of the Gospels. As you go through the Gospels, many times in Gospels, the Old Testament is is pointed to. Depending on on the publisher and the translation you have, it's, you know, a lot of times it's either in quotes or in bold or or however we put it in today's uh, publishing, you know, things that say, hey, this is a quote from the Old Testament. You may have to check your footnotes to see where it is. But we get that through the book of Acts. We get that through the Paul's letters. The book of Hebrews is nothing but an explanation of who Jesus is through the old te- in the eyes of the Old Testament and, and what he is now. 
So we do get that. We just don't get what Jesus actually said here. And he wouldn't have said, well, back in Exodus chapter 12, because at Jesus' time, Exodus didn't have chapter numbers. In Isaiah 53, we didn't have a number. It was just been in the book of Isaiah. And so the Psalms had chapter numbers. We do know that. But they didn't have verse numbers. So he would have alluded to Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Psalm 22, Psalm 118. Or just some of the Psalms that point to Jesus as the Messiah. And so he's this two to three hour walk. Apparently they, they would happen early in the walk. Jesus is telling them these things while they're walking. In verse 28, they came near the village. What village? Emmaus, back in verse 13. They got, like I said, these two disciples, there's probably their home. Why? As they came near the village when they were, in verse 28, where they were going, that was their destination. He gave the impression that he was going farther, but they urged him, stay with us because it is almost evening. Now, if that wasn't their destination, you know, it's kind of um, impolite to invite somebody to somebody else's house, but if they're inviting them to their own houses, then this makes sense. This is their home. They're headed home. Hey, stay with us. It's almost evening. There wasn't a hotel around. They didn't have hotels the way we have them. Um, and so you stayed at people's houses when you were traveling. This, you, you banked on the hospitality of strangers. And so they asked Jesus to stay with them, to eat dinner and, and, and spend the night at their house. That's just normal customs. You read, we read through that many times in Scripture. So the end of verse 29, so he went in to stay with them. So Jesus pretended like he was going to go on, but they, they invited him and he stayed. In verse 30, it, it was as he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. Was there something about breaking the bread that opened their eyes? I don't know. We don't think that they were at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, when he did this just a few days prior, celebrating the Passover. It, for as, our, as far as we know, it was only the 12 disciples that were in the room with him, not the larger group. Would these disciples ever seen Jesus do this before? Well, probably. We see that Jesus did that when he fed the 5,000. Probably when he did the 4,000, probably other times in public, he broke the bread and blessed it. It's not recorded. But it's not necessarily that. It just be, This could be just the time that the Holy Spirit touched their heart and their mind and their eyes, and that's when they recognized him. That was just God's timing. And he disappeared from their sight. Jesus' body was different. It's not held to the same physics our body is. We see this with angels throughout Scripture. They come and they go because they're spiritual beings. They have a different type of body than we do. 
Their physics are not the same as our physics. We know in later in the book of Acts, one of the first seven deacons, Philip, was out on the road, and he's talking in this very similar situation. He's on the road talking to somebody who is confused, kind of like Jesus was. He's on the road talking to two disciples who were confused. And he's out on the road talking to them, Philip was, to this Ethiopian eunuch. And what happens? He baptizes the man. And what happens after, he's bapt- after Philip baptizes the man? Philip disappears. And God takes him and puts him someplace else. Now, Philip didn't have a spiritual body. He had an earthly body. But God could still do it. Doesn't take science fiction. God is the one who created our physics. So if you've ever taken a physics class and you study all those formulas and all those things, God created all that. Physics is just for a way for us to explain how God did it. That's what science is about. Science is about learning how God did things. It's not about saying, well, this is science and not God. No. To me, science is learning how God did it. How the universe works by how because God designed it that way. And then, so the lesson, if you read the lesson, it stops right there. Which to me seems kind of an odd place to start. Verse 32, I'm going to keep going though. Verse 32, they said to each other, Weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. So they had stopped because, one, they made it to their destination, but they encouraged Jesus to stop and stay with them because it was late. It's not good to be out on the roads at nighttime. That's when the thieves are out and about. It's when the people up to no good are out and about. world hasn't changed from their time to our time. But they, they, they decided to risk it, because why? They had good news to tell. Those ladies weren't so crazy after all. So they went back to Jerusalem. They had to go uphill, back to Jerusalem, walk that seven miles again, another... They probably walked quicker, so it was probably two hours or less to get back to Jerusalem. And they had found the eleven. And those who were and those with them gathered together. So there was the eleven disciples. Judas was no longer with them. And others who were with them. So other of these other larger group of disciples, the women that were prob- that were there. In verse 34, who said, The Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Verse 35, Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them the breaking in the breaking of the bread. So when they go, they found out that Simon had seen Jesus. And we read in one of Paul's letters that Simon Peter had seen the risen Jesus. But we don't have any writings of the account of what happened when Jesus came to Simon Peter. We know that Jesus, Simon Peter saw Jesus when he was with others, with the other disciples. As we'll find out next week, as we the next section of this scripture, is Jesus appears to all, the, all of them in the room. And we know that he appeared to them in Galilee, 
uh, while they were fishing. But we don't have, but that was always with others. Here, there's a time that Jesus came to Peter and Peter alone. But we don't have any record of that account. Why? I don't know. I guess we don't need to know it. It was something for Peter. What? We don't know. We know at the end of the book of John, Jesus and, and Peter have a conversation, but the kind of a private conversation, but the other disciples are nearby. But this was something different. But we don't know what it was. We don't know what Jesus said. We don't know what Peter said. We don't know where it was. But it happened sometime on that first day of the week. So that first Easter Sunday, it happened sometime during that day. With Jesus being God, it could have happened at the same time that Jesus was with Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus with these two disciples. Jesus is not bound by the physical boundaries we have. We don't know, but it happened sometime after these disciples started walking to Emmaus and before they got back to Jerusalem. Sometime in that time period, Jesus came to Simon Peter. We don't know for how long. We don't know any of the details. But then these two disciples share. So now on this Easter Sunday, we have the women who had seen the risen Lord. We have Simon Peter who had seen the risen Lord. And now we have these two uh, basically anonymous disciples because we don't know anything about them. He was named so that probably the early church knew who Cleopas was. But we don't know anything that happened to him after this. This is the only account that we have of him. We don't know what he did later as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus. We, we don't know what he did, where he went, how long he lived, how he died. We don't know any of that. But now on this Easter day, we have three groups of people who have seen Jesus. I don't know, if you count the Romans, they, they, they may have seen Jesus. Uh, but they, they, they fell over and ran away and hid. They didn't really care. <clears throat> but as we go through the book of Luke, as we've went through this, we've seen over and over again who Jesus is. He is not just a teacher. He is something more than that. He is not just the Messiah. He's not just the next prophet and king that's coming to conquer the Romans. He's something more than that. He's the Son of God. He is part of the Trinity. God himself. That is the only way he could come back from the dead without external intervention. He raised others from the dead. Then he raised himself from the dead. Why? Because he is God and he can do that. When I die, maybe some powerful preacher who's keen and it's in God's will, he might raise me from the dead, but I'm not doing it myself. Maybe it's some strange future event that God uses me to raise somebody from the dead, but he's using me. God's doing the work. I'm just the one standing there. I don't know, but it's not me. It's God doing it. Jesus didn't need a prophet or a preacher to raise him from the dead. Because he is God, and he conquered death. And that's the whole point of the, of the Gospels, of the New Testament. Jesus is God. Live accordingly. Believe accordingly. 
He calls us to be with him the way he called one of the thieves on the cross. It said, today you'll be with me in paradise. If you are a follower of Christ, that is you. You will one day be with Jesus someday in paradise. Live accordingly. Believe accordingly. So these two guys could not believe the testimony of others. They couldn't believe their own eyes and ears. They couldn't believe with the things that Jesus said previously. They couldn't believe the scripture they had read previously. But now they do because they had seen the risen Lord. And we think, well, I've always believed that. And I'm, I'm kind of a person that have because I've, I've been taught this my whole life. But this was a new idea to them. And so they had to get they needed some supernatural events to happen to change their heart and their mind and God gave it to them. Not because they prayed for it, but because God wanted them to change their heart and their mind. And it was there for us too to read how God works. So think about it. God on the day of his resurrection, who did he who who saw him? Women who were considered second rung of society. Two anonymous disciples, not the 12, two anonymous disciples. And then to Peter himself, just but that was just one, not the other not the other others, not yet. So God announces himself to you know, the ones we think are and aren't as important. That's what God does. I have rambled on a long time. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you do and all that you say. Help us to live accordingly. Help us to understand the power and the love of Jesus Christ, of God the Father, of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to change our hearts and change our minds and change the way we live, what we believe. So help us to do that thing. Help us to live for you. And we just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Well, I thank you for watching and listening. Let's see, Judy, thank you for watching. And there's Linda and, and Don and Shirley. So I thank you all for watching and listening today. Um, this one kind of went a little bit longer than normal. Um, but I, I pray that and, and anyone else that's watching later on, um, let's see here. Click, click, click. Um, if you want to find out more, if you're watching this and you want to know who we are, we're at Tower View Baptist Church. We're in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we're right by a big, colorful water tower that's right across the road from an amusement park that has roller coasters and water slides. Um, but they don't want us to say their name. So that's where we are, for Interstate 435 and, and um, 48th Street is, is, is the exit you need to take to find us. And you'll see the water tower, and we're right there by, between the water tower and the interstate. So if you're in the area, that's where we are. If you're not in the area and you want to find out more, we're at TowerViewKC.com. That's our website. Obviously, if you're watching this, you're probably watching our Facebook, you know where our Facebook page is. And there's our phone number, 816-368-1330. You can call that number. You can text that number if you have any questions, comments, 
Uh, how is God working in your life? Qu- questions about what I've said. You can leave messages on our website too. There's a way to do that. All the, you can do all the same things there. Um, so, you know, please reach out to us. Um, if this has been helpful to you, you think it'd be helpful to others, you know, share this on your, on your Facebook page or whatever other social media you're using. Um, share it. If you click the likes, then more people are likely to see it. Uh, it helps the algorithms and, and more people will see it. And so I, I thank you for watching and listening. Church today is at 1030. Um, masks are not required. Um, depending on if you've been vaccinated or not, depending on your health conditions, you can wear them if you desire. Um, we, we, um, and, and so many people have been vaccinated. I have personally been vaccinated. Um, and, and so the risks are lower now because of that. And so, um, but the church, church is open. You do not need reservations to come inside. And, and so you, you, you can come inside. Um, I'm going to kind of, kind of check the weather. It's still wet out there. I'm not sure if I want to set the speakers up out in the wet grass. That may not be a good thing. Uh, but we are still doing a drive-in church. The transmitter is still working, so you can come in and listen to 90.7 on your car radio and or in your transistor radio if you got a little portable one and, and listen to church that way. Uh, the sermon will be online, online only. I mean, the, the sermon only will be that's online that that'll happen around 10 50 ish depends how long the songs go um, so there's ways you can worship with us today so thank you for watching and listening <clears throat> um, let's see when was I, I was gonna do this um, and, and all today you you um, you're an encouragement to me when you listen when you make comments and I thank you for that So God bless, have a wonderful day, and we will talk to you later.